Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Episode 9 of Joe Thomas's Film Room. I'm your host, Andrew Gribble. This week in the Film Room, Joe breaks down not one, but two of the best pass rushers he's ever faced in defensive ends Jared Allen and Julius Peppers. The two have combined for over 295 sacks, 82 forced fumbles, 7 touchdowns, and 14 Pro Bowls in their respective careers. First up today in the Film Room is Joe's breakdown of the great Jared Allen. Joe, we're looking at one of the game's most memorable personalities, uh, Jared Allen, who just had a long career, bounced around between a couple teams, actually left the Chiefs when you usually are hitting your prime and goes to the Vikings, and then just kept piling up sacks year after year. Yeah, he had some tremendous years in there. Right when I got to the NFL, he was with Kansas City, and then he signed a big deal with the Vikings and had some fantastic seasons with Minnesota. And I think the thing that he did the best was he was a little unorthodox and he was slippery. He wasn't like Dwight Freeney where you could say, yeah, this is exactly the move where he mm. gets all these sacks on. But he was just really slippery at the top of the pocket. And he had that ability that once he was seven or eight yards up the field and he started to turn the corner, all of a sudden you would lose him with your hands. You thought you were in good position and you had your hands on him. And he had this flexibility that he was able to kind of get underneath your hands and underneath your pads and close those last two yards, which are so critical for pass rushers. So many guys can get to that point, but they just can't close the sack. But he was one of those guys that could finish the deal and close the sack. Yeah, he's not, when you look at him, not the most like physically daunting pass rusher guy. Is, is that why some, is the looks are misleading sometimes with some of these, these great players out there? Like no that? question, and I think that's why you look at him, and he was only a fourth-round pick. He's yeah. not physically intimidating, although he is 6'5 or 6'6 six, six and 260. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are like that. He wasn't blazing fast. Um, there was nothing that jumped out on paper about Jared Allen, but when you watched him on film, his ability to close and get to the quarterback using that slipperiness and that savvy, especially at the top of the pocket, those last two yards was unparalleled. So what are you doing? What are you thinking when you go into a matchup with a guy like this? So the big thing against Jared Allen was always, like, like usual, you wanted to keep your shoulders square to kind of take away some of the inside pass rush moves, but you wanted to get out of your stance and get as much depth in your pass set as quickly as possible because you knew it was going to be a battle at the top of the pass rush, and you didn't want to be too far behind him. If you were behind him in your set, he was going to be able to turn that corner and use his hands at the top of the pocket to be able to get to the quarterback. Now, just kind of walk me through this play, and, and where, where is he showing kind of the this, this slippery factor that you're talking about? So this play is interesting. I don't remember specifically what happened, but I think we were trying to change the call at the last moment because you can see 
they've got one of their linebackers mugged, we called it, where he's lined up close to the line of scrimmage in that gap between that guard and that center. And we're trying to make sure he's accounted for it. And so we're communicating when the ball gets snapped. And so I'm a little bit late out of my stance, which causes me to have to sort of cross over here on my third or, or my second kick. And it puts me in bad position, but luckily he's taken a move uh, up the field rather than trying to come back inside because when you're crossed over, you're about as vulnerable as possible. You're out of balance, and he easily could have thrown me up the field. But you see him trying to work his hands and trying to shuck me so that he can knock my outside hand down and get to the quarterback. Thankfully, Brady gets rid of the football, and uh, no harm, no foul. Yeah, it just seems like with, with him, he's probably not going to bull rush you very often. Does he even try to do that? Not really. He wasn't an overly strong player. He, he was about 260 pounds, so those good bull rushers were all 280, 300 pounds. Um, but where he made his money was that slipperiness, the, the little hand fighting, hand movements at the top of the pocket where he was able to just knock your hands off and then bend and turn his body in such a manner where he could get underneath your hands and get to the quarterback. Now, now do you think that is a natural ability that someone can have, or can you, can you do something in the, in the gym that, that makes you like that? Yeah, or I mean, you can try to work on flexibility and mobility with yoga and stretching and <laughs> things of that nature, but... I remember watching him at the Pro Bowl getting warmed up, and he was just one of these guys that was naturally really flexible. You know, his, his hip joints, his separation between his shoulders and his waist. He was just able to move like a ballerina almost. You see those ballerinas twist themselves into awkward positions, and he could do that while running full speed. And I'm going to say that's God-given. I'm sure if you talk to him, he would claim that it has something to do with all the horse wrangling and the rodeo <laughs> baloney that he did throughout his career. But uh, he was just a unique guy, and then he worked at his craft. He worked, I'm sure, a lot in the film room on his hand placement, on watching the offensive tackles, figuring out where he could knock your hands off of him and get underneath and take advantage of any weaknesses in your pass set. Now, you, I remember you mentioned earlier that you don't talk much with these pass rushers, but this guy's like the most dynamic personality yeah. in the NFL when he's playing at the time. He's, is it all business on the field, though, with, with him? It really was. You know, he would talk to his defensive linemen. He would get excited if there was a sack or a big play. You saw him on that one throwing his hands in the air. But there really wasn't a lot of chatter between me and anybody. And I think part of that is because I wasn't a real chatty person on the field. I didn't really give him anything back. And... One thing I know about trash talkers is if you're not talking back to them, they're going to get bored and they're going to move to the next guy. So Jared wasn't really a big trash talker, but he was a guy that loved playing the game. He was excited. He always was talking and chatting because he had that energy. Uh, but we never got into it back and forth. Now, when you have his specific set of skills, how, how does that make for a long career? I mean, is this something that where if you're this slippery and flexible as a rookie, does that, do you think that stays with you maybe a little longer than some of these guys who rely a little bit more on the speed and, and the strength and things like that? It does because those are abilities physically that don't diminish as much over time. Whereas if you're relying on speed and quickness, over time when you get older, you're just going to lose that step. That's just human nature. But flexibility, mobility, slipperiness, hand placement, study, those are the attributes that you can maintain deep into your career and that can afford you such a long career like he had. You can see on this play, he's, uh, he's been setting me up with the upfield move, with the upfield rip for a while, and 
he actually is going to use his inside hand. He kind of shakes his shoulders up the field, and then he uses his inside hand to try to knock my hand down, and he's going to try to slip past me by wiping both my hands off and then ripping to the inside. But I do a good job of having my feet balanced in the right position, my weights sort of evenly distributed off the inside of my shoe, um, and I'm able to get my right hand back on him after he knocks it down, and then I'm able to quickly shuffle my feet to keep him, uh, keep my body between him and the quarterback. Yeah, he's kind of in no man's land there once you get him kind of clogged in the middle of that. Yeah, once I'm able to control that inside hand, that inside shoulder that he's got right there, I'm able to quickly uh, pull my body back inside in between the line that you draw between him and the quarterback, and so that allows me to sort of keep myself between him and the quarterback and keep the pocket clean for Brady. And then he's stuck and he goes with the classic, oh, I'll just try to spin back and then, oh, that didn't work, <laughs> run to the football. Now, is there a specific type of left tackle that he would give some issues to? The big guys, the guys yeah. that were your mauler, run block type, they really had trouble because they couldn't bend well enough, especially at the top of the pocket. Jared was really fast. He was like shot out of a cannon from when the ball was snapped. And then at the top of the pocket, he could bend and he could move and he wouldn't lose any of that speed. And for a big tackle, big strong guy, to get back seven or eight yards, running backwards essentially, at full speed, and then to be able to bend your hips, knees, and ankles is something that's really challenging. And that's where he gave guys a lot of problems. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at his pre-draft measurables and everything like that. We always talk about we, the combine every year. These guys, we always focus on the freaks. I remember Jadavian Clowney when he ran the 40. We remember Miles Garrett when he ran the 40. He's kind of lumbered away at a 4.72. I mean, is, is this guy an inspiration for the, the, the try-hard guys out there that are, are relying on effort and kind of a unique ability to, to get out there like that? To me, a guy like Jared Allen just proves a point to scouts out there and to, to other players that it's not always about the measurables. Mm -hmm. The measurables are important because it kind of gives you an idea of who they are as an athlete. But when you look at the guys that are Hall of Fame talent guys throughout this league, I would say 50% of them are freaks of nature. And then 50% of them are guys that have unique skill sets that fit whatever position they're playing. And while they are great athletes in their own right, they would not be considered freaks by any stretch of the imagination. Jared Allen is one of those guys. Yeah. He's not a freak. He's not running a 4-4 or 4-5. He's not 280 or 300 pounds. He probably, well, your sheet says 13 bench reps. I'm pretty <laughs> sure Gribble can do 13 bench reps on the 225. <laughs> so he wasn't strong, but he found a way and a niche where he could use his flexibility, his mobility, his brain, his study, the way that he could move and bend at full speed to be able to turn himself into one of the great pass rushers of all time. Now, when you're matching up with her in 2009, are you thinking this guy's a Hall of Famer, or, or, or what do you? What I did, did really it hit you at that time? Or thinking I mean, about that at the, at that moment, um, I think when you talk about Hall of Fame pass rushers, one of the things that the voters always look for is all right, where do they stack up all time on the sack right. list, right? And so in 2009, I think it was maybe his fifth or sixth season, and he made some Pro Bowls, and so I knew he was a great player, but I think the rest of his career was still going to determine whether he was going to be mm. Hall of Fame caliber or not. Um, let's look at this move for a second. This is one of the, the moves that he did really well, and he really mastered later on in his career. Um, I just would call it like the, the chop grab. So he's trying to chop my outside arm down, 
trying to break the connection that my outside hand has with his pec and his shoulder pad. And he's trying to get my weight forward and unbalanced in my stance. And then what he's going to try to do is grab with his outside arm, the back of my outside shoulder pad and try to pull me forward and jerk me down so that I lose my balance. And you can see I'm able to keep my knees, my ankles and my hips bent. I'm able to keep my feet from crossing over and I'm able to maintain good balance, which doesn't allow him to knock me forward. And also then he tries to counter, you notice here towards the end of the, the, the move, he's, he notices that he was not able to get me off balance by chopping my outside arm and grabbing me. So what he's going to then try to do is slip that inside hand under my inside armpit and he's going to try to hump me back up the field. The great Reggie White move, right? The hump move where you'd use that big club and try to hump the offensive tackle up the field. But because I'm in good balance, I'm able to just continue to move my feet and I don't fall on the ground and I'm able to maintain the block away from the quarterback. Now, does a, an earlier career Joe Thomas struggle more with, with a player like Jared Allen or is this? No, early on in my career, I had no problems with a guy like Jared because what he did best, speed, mobility, quickness, hand movement, was the things that I did really well early on in my mm. career. I was a good athlete, I had great balance, great footwork, so I was able to keep up with him, so to speak. Whereas later on in my career, I started focusing and relying way more on my technique, which when I started losing speed, especially when the injuries and the, the knee started piling up, I really had to rely on just being perfect with my technique. So smooth became fast for me later on in my career. I was making no wasted motions. My technique was perfect on every play. And so then I was able to handle a, a broader range of players because I wasn't relying as much on just my athleticism. I ask you this with every one of these series. This, it doesn't seem like there's too many comps with a player like this, but maybe it speaks to the, all the other guys out there that are just grinding away and, uh -huh. and trying to like stand out and, and yeah. put together a career like this. Is there anyone that jumps out to you right now in the NFL that's like this? You know, it's funny when you start thinking about the greats in our game, it's hard to come up with comparables because they're just so unique yeah. and what they do is so different and that's what makes him great. That's what makes him such a great pass rusher. You can see here he's going again with that uh, outside arm chop trying to get up the field, but I'm able to just mirror him pretty easily and then I'm able to stop on a dime at the top of the pocket and when he retraces, I'm able to be right there uh, because of that good footwork and that balance. And You know, in today's game, I, I don't really know if there's anybody uh, out there liking Jared Allen that you'd say, yep, this is somebody that probably watches a lot of Jared Allen film. Um, <laughs> I mean, a lot of their moves are overlap, but I don't see anybody out there like him. Well, if you're, if you're bendy and you can, and you maybe don't bench press more than 13 yeah. times on, on the bench, I mean, this yeah. is this is a source of a, a motivation for, for the future pass rushers. Gribble, you, you got a future as a pass I, rusher. I still do, yeah. I mean, this uh, I'm getting close to maybe five reps. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see if I can get to hit 13, and then I'll, then I'll hit the Jared Allen mark. This is a great play by Brady here. If you notice, um, offensive linemen are always measured by how many sacks you allow in a game, and the media loves to talk to you about, oh, you guys gave up three sacks. You must have had a bad game. So you notice here, uh, nobody was really open. Great job by the offensive line all day <laughs> to block. So instead of throwing the football away or throwing it to a receiver, he just falls into the ground <laughs> and takes a sack. Great job, Brady. Look at that. That's perfect. Sliding behind the line of scrimmage. That's what makes your offensive linemen love you. We hope you enjoyed the breakdown of Jared Allen. 
Part two of the Joe Thomas Film Room today features Joe talking about newly retired and sure to be future Hall of Famer Julius Peppers. This is earlier in his career, but Father Time certainly has not had much of an effect on Julius Peppers. The guy just keeps on playing, keeps on making an impact. I mean, how impressed are you by this? If you had an Iron Man career, this guy is yeah, taking it to another Yeah, this is unbelievable. Uh, I feel like Julius was an old player by the time I played him when I was young in my career. And I remember, shoot, watching him in college when I was like 10 years old. It seems like he just doesn't age at all. And it's pretty amazing for a guy that's as big as he is. Usually those big guys, they break down later in their career, but it seems like he's never had any injuries whatsoever. Yeah, and it just, at this stage, I mean, he's got to be, what, like 10 years into the league at this point. Yeah, everyone remembers him as a, Everyone remembers him as the basketball player yeah. way back when at North Carolina. I mean, can you talk about the skills that it takes to, that maybe translate, that you played basketball before. You yeah. Know, what translates at pass rush? Well, to be a good basketball player, you have to be fast. You have to be able to get up and down the court. You've got to be able to jump, which gives you that explosion in your knees, ankles, and hips. And that's the same thing that you need to be a good pass rusher. You need to be able to explode off the ball. So you need to be quick when the ball is snapped. You need to be able to create and generate power and force with your ankles, knees, and hips. And just like when you're jumping, when you contact an offensive lineman, instead of going up, you're, you're making that force on this 45-degree angle, and you're trying to go right through that offensive player. So it's an easy transition for a guy like him. He's a guy that's had an enormous amount of impact throughout his career, not only as a defensive end, but he's moved inside a lot when he was playing in Green Bay. And he doesn't have a whole lot of pass rush moves. His thing was always he would chop rip with his inside arm, and then if he would get you moving upfield because you were worried about his speed, he would hump you back to the inside. And it seems like that move has kind of, he's lived and feasted on that move for about 16 years. But because of how fast he was able to get upfield, he was always able to get guys off balance and get them leaning on their outside foot. And then he's 6'6", almost 300 pounds. When he needed it, he could run you over too. So we always talk about what makes a great pass rusher, a guy that can beat you three different ways. He can run around the edge because he's fast enough. He's got a great counter move when he gets your weight on your outside foot where he can beat you back inside. And then he's got to be able to run you over because we said early on in Von Miller's career, he didn't have that bull rush. So everybody started sitting back on him, trying to take away the side-to-side -side stuff, daring him to bull rush, right? As soon as you learn that bull rush, now you got to sit and be heavy with your feet, and that opens up the side-to-side -side stuff. I know we've talked about this throughout this series, that it's the smarts of a guy. I mean, when, when someone's been in the game this long, how much do they know what you're doing, maybe even more than you know what you're doing at this point? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, the, when you're a really good old pass rusher, You've been in the league long enough where he's really not listening to the defense all that much. He's just sitting up on that line of scrimmage and he's listening to what you guys are saying. He's listening to your calls because he knows every one of your calls. He's listening to the quarterback. So he's going to know when the run's coming his way, when the run's going away. He's going to know when it's a pass. He's going to know when it's a drop back, when the slide's coming his direction. He's going to know when the tight end is chipping him. So he knows all those things and he's able to adjust his game depending on what the offense is going to do to him. Going through this series, just watching these plays, it seemed like he, he did all right against them. I, mean, it, I felt just, like I it, held my own. I mean, you know, did you study up on him? I mean, is that the, the, oh, yeah. It's just simple, simple moves that he has? I, I was nervous going into the game because, like I mentioned, I'd been watching Julius Peppers for a bunch of years in the NFL and in college before this, and you hear about how great he is, and you watch him on film and see how, how good he is. But you try to find those little things that allow you to play as well as you possibly can against him. And one of those things is, when he would make this inside move, I knew I, I was going to have to take that outside hand and get it back inside underneath 
his uh, shoulder pads into that armpit area because that was what was going to allow me from getting humped back um, to the outside. And so a lot of times in this game when you're watching it, you'll see me try to refit that hand up inside and get a little piece of that shoulder pad so he's not able to control me. Seems like you're treading a little dangerously on hands of the face there. Is that, <laughs> is that, that, was re that looked really close. I mean, as a, as a lineman, if you're trying to get high into those shoulder pads, mm -hmm. how do you avoid the inevitable, what I believe is a 15-yard penalty, right? Yeah, so as an offensive lineman, you really can't worry about the hands to the face penalty very much because you're going to try to use your technique to the best of your ability. You're going to try to get your hands where they're supposed to go. And if a defensive lineman knocks your hand into his face, that's just part of doing business in the NFL. And if the play gets called, it gets called. There's not much you can do about it. It's not like a hold where you can do a better job with your feet or you can use a little bit better technique or, you know, if you get beat, you just don't grab them, right? Yeah. Those are really the ways you're getting the holdings. But from a hands-to-the-face perspective, it's just you're, you're playing football and sometimes your hands get knocked up there and you hope it doesn't get called. If it does, you just got to move on. Yeah, now in his career now, clearly he's not playing every single snap. Mm -hmm. doesn't need to. But do you notice that when you're facing a situational guy? I mean, he's coming out fresh. I mean, what? How much of a difference is that when you're out there every yeah. single play and he's he's coming fresh off the bench? <laughs> That's the thing you hate the most as an offensive <laughs> tackle is first and second down. You're grinding with the big hog mollies inside, and you're looking over the guy you got to face on third down is on the sideline sucking oxygen and sipping water <laughs> so that he jogs out on the field on third down. You're already tired, and he's fresh. So it's definitely a disadvantage. And it's something that, uh, as an offensive lineman, you hate to see because you know that that guy is just eating, breathing, and sleeping sacks on third down against you. And he's putting everything he's got into that third down pass rush, and you better be ready. Now, and just one last thing. Is this the hardest position to maybe be as old as he is to play on the football field? Because like you said, athleticism is just so important. In this mm -hmm. position. I would say the, the hardest position is going to be your receiver because just a small slip in your quickness or speed is the difference in getting open by this much which is open in the NFL and being completely covered so you lose just half a step as a receiver or a little bit of that quickness and you're you're done you're just an average guy unless you just have some unbelievable hands but as a pass rusher you can kind of change your game and that's what we've seen with Julius he was a strictly edge pass rusher for years and years. As he got older, he didn't have that speed to turn the corner to bend like we see Miles and Von Miller doing. So they put him inside. They let him use his smarts, his great use of his hands, and a little bit less of his quickness against some of these guards. And so he played a lot more inside later on in his career, especially when he was in Green Bay with Clay Matthews. And he's made quite a second career out of doing some of this stuff on the inside. If you've missed any of our episodes, log on to clevelandbrowns.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, join us for the final Joe Thomas film room as Joe breaks down good friend and former teammate Miles Garrett. For Joe Thomas, I'm Andrew Gribble. Thanks for listening.